Alright, well good morning everybody. Uh, welcome online. Uh, sorry for the late start this morning as we get started. Uh, we're actually uh, in our new location here in Camarillo, California. We uh, had just relocated, relocated the last couple weeks. That's why we were offline last week and we're still getting, <coughs> excuse me, uh, settled and adjusted. Uh, we're actually here for week three on our series, uh, Walking in the Field of the Lord. And so, welcome with us. Uh, I don't think I have any announcements right now. We will be resuming our Bible studies on Sunday night on Don't Love God. Uh, hopefully by next week. Uh, it won't be tonight in honor of Father's Day. And that's still getting settled in our new location here. Uh, so, we're sorry for all the interruptions here. But we're trying to get everything back on, on cue here. So, here we are. Uh, week 3 and uh, walking in the field of the Lord. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verse 31. And so, uh, we're in week 3, I'll do a little bit of recap and then we'll uh, get into some new, uh, hopefully some new territory this morning on walking in the field of the Lord. Now when we're talking about walking in the field of the Lord, we've talked the last several weeks, I know we've had some interruptions here. But we've talked, we've talked about how walking the field of the Lord is not having a terror of God. It's not being afraid of God. It's not, uh, it's not a, a state of dread or concern. There are definitions for fear in that regard. But even in Webster's Dictionary, there's, there's a fourth definition on fear. And it talks about having a reverence and awe towards God. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, and other ways we've brought this out is that Walking in the fear of the Lord is honoring God, it's respecting God, it's reverencing Him, as I just mentioned. But it's also, we'll bring out some scriptures here again this morning, it's about trusting God. If we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we're trusting Him, we're honoring Him, we're respecting Him, which also means we're honoring and respecting of one another. And there's a lack of the fear of the Lord in our society today. And I'll say this off the back, and I've said this each week, that... This topic of the fear of the Lord is not popular. It's not even popular in some many churches today about talk walking the fear of the Lord. And I think one of it, there's a misunderstanding. Uh, it's misconstrued. We're talking about honoring God. We're talking about respecting God. We're talking about respecting and honoring other people. We're talking about uh, uh, trusting God. Do we trust God more than we trust man? Do we trust God more than we trust society? Do we trust God more? Do we trust the, our bank, the bank, our, our, the world's economy? I trust God's economy more than I trust the world's economy. I trust God as my healer, as my provider, as my savior, more than I trust man. Now, when I get in trouble and I'm not perfectly at this, as many of you are not, <coughs> but, I, but I, when I struggle, it's because I got my eyes off the fear of the Lord. I got my eyes off of trusting God. I got my eyes off of magnifying and trusting His Word over anyone else's Word, including my own, including societies, including even other Christian believers. You know, Jesus said it this way, by your traditions you make the Word of God no effect. And sometimes we have exalted our traditions more than we have exalted the Word of God. And that makes the Word of God of no effect. That's not walking in the fear of the Lord. Uh, here in Acts chapter 9 verse 31, I'm hoping to get here, this is really my main, main point and, and some surrounding scriptures surrounding this point. But it says in Acts chapter 9 verse 31, 
Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Again, as the, as the early church began to walk in the fear of the Lord, as they were edifying one another, we talked a lot of already too about how walking in the fear of the Lord affects how we treat one another, in our marriages, in our job relationships, in our, our respecting our elders. Um, uh, uh, we'll get into it if we get into it today about honoring our parents. Uh, is, is walking in the fear of the Lord. So when we honor one another, when we respect one another, we're honoring God because we're honoring His Word. His Word tells us to love one another, respect one another. Uh, and when we do that, we're honoring God. When we do anything He tells us to do, instructs us to do, uh, encourages us to do, when we hearken to His Word, when we, uh, we're walking in the fear of the Lord. We're respecting Him. We're honoring Him. We're trusting Him in, in, in a reference and in, in an awe. But as the early church walked in the fear of the Lord, see, see I, I like bringing this out because walking in the fear of the Lord, church, is not just an Old Testament principle. It's a New Testament principle. And as the early church walked in the fear of the Lord and the, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. The walking in the fear of the Lord goes hand in hand with walking in the Spirit. Paul said, when you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We talked about already in this series how uh, walking in the fear of the Lord means to hate evil, hate arrogance, hate uh, the lying tongue, and then among other things. You know, the, the, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You can't walk in the fear of the Lord and embrace principles that the Scriptures does not support. That's not, that's not our God. You know, um, Sorry, I had a thought. I lost it already. But uh, we're still, uh, I, I've been joking in, the, uh, in our home, you know, how you have jet lag after you got off the airplane. Well, we have moving lag. And so uh, we're, we're, we're just still trying to get settled. So bear with me if I lose my, my mind a couple times this, this morning. But uh, anyway, walk, we're talking about walking in the fear of the Lord. And it's not just walking in the fear of the Lord. So I'm in right with God. Yes, I want to be right with God. I am right with God because of what Jesus did. But I want to walk in harmony of God in the fear of the Lord. But I, but I'm, I, there's another point I really want to, want to get to, and that I'm, what I'm, I'm trying to get to. When we are walking in the fear of God, it will affect our world. It will affect society. It will affect the church corporately. It will affect others around us who are watching us, who are seeing us. I'll bring out how, how Daniel walked in the fear of the Lord, and it changed kings. Uh, Joseph changed, it affected Pharaoh and the whole nation and even other nations because he walked in the fear of God. Moses affected nations, Egypt as well as Israel. Uh, we'll see that walking in the fear of the Lord has changed people. It worked for Esther. It worked for David. It worked for Abraham. It worked for others. When they walked in the fear of the Lord, it affected other people. It wasn't just this relationship. It affected a horizontal rela uh, relationship as well. Am I making sense? Yes, it starts here. Revival starts in the church of God. Revival starts with us. We can't affect anyone else if we don't have this relationship right. But as we are walking, and it's a walk. 
It's not just a one-time experience. It's not just something, something we do on Sunday. It's not just something we do on Father's Day. And happy Father's Day, by the way, uh, to all of our fathers out there. It, 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 it's not just something we do on Christmas and Easter. Walking in the fear of the Lord is a lifestyle. We're born of God. Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord. Jesus wasn't afraid of his father, but Jesus reverenced his father. He respected, he honored, he trusted his father. If we're not trusting God, if we're not honoring God, and we're not honoring his word, we're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Many of us are more have more reverence for our own philosophies, for our own pride, for our own arrogance, than we do for God's word. Some of us will not allow the word of God to get in the way of what we think, or what we believe, or how we act, or how we behave. And some of us won't let the word of God get in, get in the way of what we believe. And that's what I'm kind of going to in, in a few moments here, is that when we believe God and we start seeing the power of God manifested in our midst, like Daniel did, like David did, like Joseph did, like others did, it will cause other people, including kings and kingdoms, to walk and or at least experience the fear of the Lord. And hopefully that's making sense. But we got to, we, we, we can't just, you know, but I, I keep using uh, Joseph and Daniel as my prime examples of this. It wasn't just a one-time experience. They didn't just do it when everybody was looking. They walked in the fear of the Lord as a lifestyle. That was who they were. And people knew it. People were offended by it. I used a scripture in closing uh, two weeks ago that unless we're walking godly, we uh, those, those who walk God. Uh, Walk, I'll get to it again in a minute. It's in Timothy. But those who live godly will experience persecution. In other words, if you are not walking godly, if you are not living godly, you won't experience persecution. So, in other words, one way, another way of looking at if you are not experiencing some form of persecution, then chances are you're not walking godly. Amen to all me. You know, it says, you know, it just, uh, and I'm not saying that to offend you. I'm not saying that to get on you. I'm saying that it wants us to help you. Persecution's not fun. And I'm not necessarily embracing persecution and saying, come on, come on. But in one sense, the word is actually encouraging when you're experiencing some form of persecution because maybe I'm living a godly life. You know, there's something, especially the way our world's going today, if you embrace certain areas of morality and godliness, People will hate you. People will want to even kill you. That is increasing in our nation today. If we stand for, for uh, mor morality, uh, regarding uh, our sexuality, regarding uh, our gender and different things, the world has gone crazy. They think we're crazy, but I think they're crazy. And so, the but... But my, part of my goal teaching this is not just so we are walking in harmony with God. Yes, and that is a goal. Don't get me wrong. But I want to see the world. I want to see the church. I want to see the body of Christ affected and making a We should be making a difference. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We should be making a difference. We should be standing out. There's some of us, if we were put on trial for being a Christian, there's... <coughs> There's not enough evidence. <coughs> I want there to be evidence that I'm a Christian. 
I don't want people necessarily to mock me. I hate that. Because anyone who knows me knows I hate that. But I don't want to not be persecuted because I'm not a Christian. That makes sense. I, you know, anyway, I, I need to switch gears. Um, we talked about, again, uh, how fulfilled the Lord is to trust in God. Go with me real quick. I keep going back to the scripture, but go with me real quick to Psalm 115. Psalm 115, verse 11. It says, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your, their help and their shield. If you're walking in the fear of the Lord, you will trust in Him. He is your help. What are you going through today? Are you going through something physical? Are you going through financial problems? Are you going through relational problems? Is it all of the above? Are there other things? Whatever you need help with. Whatever you need. Maybe you're going through emotional problems. I know I've had some of those challenges myself lately. And, uh, you know, God is our help. But we need to come to Him. We need to trust Him. I need to fear the Lord. I need to reverence Him. You know, even as a pastor, as a friend, as, a, as a, just a, a, a member of society, I am honored when people come to me for help. I'm honored when people come to me for prayer. I'm honored when people, uh, you know, I'm, and let me rephrase it this way. You know, when I know someone's in help, but they, they, didn't, they didn't reach out because they didn't want to bother me. That doesn't honor me. I actually feel dishonored by that. And I don't say that to hurt anyone. I'm not saying to pick on anybody. When, but when people uh, uh, knew that they could reach out, but they didn't reach out because they didn't want to bother me, that doesn't honor me. I don't like it that they're going through problems. But I'm honored that they reach out for help. God, I, we honor God when we go to Him for help. But some of us, we don't go to Him for help first. We go to Him last. We go to the doctors. We go to the, the uh, anything financial related. We go to others. We gripe and we complain and we murmur and complain and murmur and complain. And then finally we go to God for help. That's not honoring God. That's not trusting God. Praise God, praise God that we got to the point where we did reach out. And he won't turn us away even then. But we need to honor God first and foremost. He is our help. He is our daddy. Happy Father's Day, daddy. He's our, he's our Abba. He's our Savior. He loves us. He is honored when we reach out to him for help. Because he knows we can't do this right. We can't even live this Christian life. We can't even walk in the field of the Lord without his help. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We can't do this. We can't master it. And anyone thinks that they can master it without the Holy Spirit, without God's help, that is pride. That is arrogance. That is trusting you and not trusting God. That is not the fear of the Lord. That is the fear of you. I, I can't fear me above God. I can't say I can do this. I can't do this. That's the fear of the Lord. I need His help. Do I need to Is He going to do it for me? Yes and no. In some ways he is, in many ways he is, but he's not, he, 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 we are, we participate. We are in, uh, we, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.30 that we are one flesh. We are doing this together. We are in a relationship. We are in koinonia, fellowship with God. He's not going to just do it automatically. And ultimately when it comes to, when we reach out to him, he's going to do the work, not us. But he's going to do the work. Through us, in us, by us. Uh, but we have to participate. 
But we have to reach out to him for help. We can't do it without him. And he won't do it without us. Does that make sense? If we're not participating, if we're just being passive, if we're just being complacent, nothing's going to happen. But we can't do it without him, and he won't do it without us. It's a relationship. But you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help, and he is your shield. Go me real quick again to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I feel like I have to recap a few things because it's been a few weeks since we've been here. But walking to fear of the Lord says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not in your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord in your possessions, and with the first fruits of all of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. There's so much here, I mean, I, wish I could just read this whole book of Proverbs, but it's just rich with talking about trusting God, relying on God, which is all about the fear of God. And so, um, and each of these, I've, I've taught them this actually twice in this series already, so I'm not going to reteach all this in depth right now. But walking the fear means trusting God with all the heart. Walking the fear of the Lord means leaning down on, on, on understanding. Walking the fear of the Lord means acknowledging Him in all of our ways. Uh, walking the fear of the Lord is, is not being wise in our own eyes. Walking the fear of the Lord specifically says it's departing from evil. Walking in the fear of the Lord is healthy. When we're trusting God, when we're relying on God, when we're uh, dependent on God, it's healthy versus being worried about everything, about being stressed over everything, without being depressed about everything. That is not healthy. But walking in the fear of the Lord is healthy. It is strength to your bones. It, honoring the Lord also means honoring Him with your first fruits. It means, uh, you know, everything I have is God's. Not only my money, but my time. It's all Him. How do I use my time? How do I use my money? Not just in my tithes, in my offerings, but also in my giving. In giving to Him, giving to others, in my almsgiving, uh, and giving to others. Everything I have is His. I'm just a steward of this life. He, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are His house. We are His workmanship. We are His. We are His vessels. I, he is a potter, I am the clay. And everything I have, everything I am, is His. And it goes back to the verse that we read, and you can turn with me real quick. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, I'm not going to reteach all this again, but we talked about this uh, last time we were together at length. But in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. And the perverse mouth, I hate. God, there's some things that God hates. He hates, he even says later in, the, in Proverbs that he hates discord. He hates pride. He hates evil. He hates arrogance. He hates the lying tongue or the perverse tongue or the, the forward mouth, as the King James will put it. 
And we talked about this at length. God wants us to be a person of his word. You know, <clears throat> we should be people of our word. Why do I say that? First of all, is God not a person of his word? Are not all the promises of God yes and amen by the, to the glory of God by us? Does not God keep his word? Are we not born of God? Are we not born of him? We're born of God. And if God is in us, and, God, and, and Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ in me keeps his word. And I know this is just one thing I, 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 I piggyback on. Our yes should be yes and our no should be no. We need to honor God. We need to honor one another. We need to honor our own word, uh, among others. And we are born of the nature of God. We are born of God. God keeps his word. We should keep our word as well. Uh, I'm not going to reteach all that right now. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3.12. And this is where I kind of left last week. Or two weeks ago. So, sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. I know I referred to this already this morning. <clears throat> but it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I think this is very timely for the day that we live in. Because in our society today, things are getting black and white. Gray is really becoming no more. Either you are a believer or you're not a believer. And people are beginning, this, our society, our world, is beginning to hate the things that we as Christians stand for. And, and one of those things is godliness. And so, those who, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, living godly outside of Christ Jesus is not, it's not the factor here. It's living godly in Christ Jesus. Because really to me, without Christ Jesus, there is no godliness. I don't want to live piously. I don't want to live in piety outside of Christ. That's just me doing it. That's all me. I, I'm, if there's any good thing good in me, it's because of Jesus, not because of what I've done. Am I making sense? But all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, it doesn't say you could, you should, you may. You, it says you will suffer persecution. And it even uses the word suffer. Persecution is suffering. Uh, most people, that does not light on fire. That, you know, that does not like, oh, I just want to be a Christian because I'm going to suffer persecution. But those of you who are suffering persecution, you might be going, what's wrong with me? If you're suffering for persecution because of you wanting the desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, it's not because of you. It's because of Christ in you. That makes you. And it's not because something's wrong with you. No, it's because something's right with you. That they hate. And so, I say this as an encouragement. But I, I, there's also, uh, in a sense, a warning there. That if you're not being persecuted, one, I mean, even to the slightest degree, then the chances are maybe you're not living Godly. And that could be, that could be a wake-up call. That could be, that could be, you know, a... Uh, 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 a survey, evaluation they can have. You, you just can't miss it. Paul is very clear on this. Um, let me just say this. If you desire to live godly, some will persecute you, but there will, will always be those who will respect you for standing up. Why did I say that? Well, look at Daniel. 
Daniel stood up. Daniel desired to live godly. Yes, it was those who persecuted him, but King Darius respected him for that. Nebuchadnezzar, look at uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They desired to live godly. They were persecuted and were thrown in the fire, like Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. But when it was all said and done, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, respected them for it. Look at Joseph. He desired to live godly. He was thrown, he was mis, misjudged and thrown into jail. He was mistreated by his own brethren. But the day came when he, uh, Pharaoh was intrigued by his godliness, by his wisdom. We're going to get into wisdom here in a moment because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, those who are not, those who don't have, are walking in the fear of the Lord don't have wisdom. There is no wisdom. There's, there's two kinds of wisdom. There's a godly wisdom and there's a worldly wisdom. James distinguishes the two. The wisdom of this world is earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic, James says. But the wisdom that's from above is full of mercy, without partiality. It's full of peace and, and goodness and, and democracy without reproach. And so there's a distinction between wisdom. But, but when we're walking godly, when we're walking in the fear of the Lord, people will either hate us or they will respect us. And we're going to see both. Some people, you know, there's times I, I stood up for godly things at work. You know, uh, there was times, many of my jobs, uh, especially in retail, I stood up because I wasn't going to work on Sundays. I wasn't going to work on Sundays because... This is a day when we worship. This is a day when we, as a family, come together and worship and honor and respect our God. And we, it's not just honoring God. <coughs> we don't just come to church so we can honor God. We come to church so we can honor one another. The whole part of church is koinia. It's gathering. In the early church, they were steadfast in the apostles' teaching. That's only one aspect. But yes, the apostles' teaching and to, to fellowship and to prayer and the breaking of bread. I didn't say those in order, but they were they were just as steadfast to fellowship as they were to teaching. It, the whole purpose of a church is not just to get teaching. You can get teaching. You're listening to it online right where you are. You, we can get teaching online. We can worship God in song online. But we, you know, <coughs> and there can be a form of fellowship through social media. But I don't know about you, but we all need touch. God gave us five senses, and one of those is touch. Not just, <coughs> excuse me, not just ears, not just eyes, not just taste. I love my taste buds when I'm eating something I love. But we all have touch, too. And God gave us sense. Yes, it's a natural sense. Yes, it's a carnal sense. But God gave us that for a reason. Anyway, I... I got off, off, off track here just for a moment. But uh, anyway, let's, let's switch gears. Um, <coughs> go with me to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. And we'll pick it up verse 10, which is the last verse of the psalm. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not just wisdom, it's the beginning of it. That's where it starts. If you want, we've talk, been talking about the fear of the Lord, if you want to know where to start, <clears throat> it's the beginning of wisdom. How many of you want wisdom? I want to be wise. And we, church, we, if there's ever been a day, if there's ever been an hour where we need wisdom, we need wisdom in this hour. In these last days, as society is getting dark, as those who are calling good evil and evil good, as it says in Isaiah chapter 5, we need wisdom. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need wisdom. And anyone who doesn't fear the Lord can't possibly be wise by God's standards. I want to say that again. Anyone who does not fear the Lord cannot possibly be wise by God's standards. I'm not judging wisdom. I'm not judging wisdom by your standard or my standard. I'm judging wisdom by God's standard. I don't want worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom scoffs at the wisdom of God. And again, when I'm talking about walking in the fear of the Lord, I'm talking about honoring Him. I'm talking about respecting Him. I'm talking about trusting Him, reverencing Him, hating evil, hating pride, hating arrogance, hating the forward mouth, hating and, 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 and honoring not just God and His Word, but honoring one another. Because His Word and God says so. Am I making sense? And when we're honoring God, when we're honoring others, when we're trusting God, we can have wisdom. But if we're not honoring God, if we're not honoring others, if we're not respecting God, if we're not trusting God, it's impossible for us to have wisdom by God's standards. Am I making sense with that? Okay? Uh, let me just pick you back on that. Um, you know, it also says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding have all those who do His commandments. Those who live righteously, those who live moral lives, based on God's commandment, have a good understanding. If you're not living godly, if you're not living according to God's commandments, and some of you might be saying, but Dave, we're in a new covenant. Well, yes, we are. We're not right with God because of what we did. We're right with God because of what He did. At the same point in time, we still don't kill one another. We still don't murder. We still don't steal. We still don't bear off witness. We still don't commit adultery. Why? Because we hate evil. Fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We don't do these things to be right with God. We do these things because we reverence God. We honor God. We trust God. There's a difference. I'm not doing righteous things. I'm not living morally and living godly because I am trying to get right with God. I'm living this way because I am right with God. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord because that is who I am. I'm born, I desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. I'm not living godly to get in Christ Jesus. I desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. That makes sense? There's a difference. I don't live godly to get in. I can't live godly because I'm in. And I can't live godly. I can't live a holy life without Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can make anything holy. Nothing. 
can make you holy outside of Jesus. But now that you are holy, be holy as he is holy. Am I making sense? But those who fear God, those who live righteously, those who live according to his commandments, according to the scriptures, have a good understanding. I don't want just wisdom. I want a good understanding. And I need not only wisdom, but I need a good understanding in the day, in the hour, in the age, in the world that we live in today. As a pastor, as a husband, as a fellow member of the body of Christ, I need wisdom and a good understanding. Not only so I can live my life, but I can hopefully help you live yours. This whole concept of wisdom and the fear of the Lord and understanding is the opposite of the conventional wisdom of our day that calls good evil and evil good. But a day is coming when every person who has ever lived will stand before God and every wrong will be made right and that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in that day, at that time, there won't be any gay pride people. There won't be people advocating a woman's freedom to choose. Everyone will see the wisdom of God, serving God and His commandments as wisdom. They might not see it right now, but there's a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and they will see the wisdom of God and godliness and holiness. But it's only when we come to this conclusion in this life that we, even get, we are granted eternal life. That make sense? Go with me real quick to 2 Corinthians, uh, no, 1 Corinthians, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6. First Corinthians 2, verse 6 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming, nothing, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor ent have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yet the, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they be or can he know them because they are not spiritually discerned? There's a lot here, but I'm trying to get into some things here about how Jesus is the, is the wisdom of God. God reveals the wisdom. In other words, 
I'm going to get into some scriptures here in Corinthians, how Jesus is the wisdom of God. We're talking about, briefly here, how the fear of the Lord is the, wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. Am I making sense? I feel like I, I, I'm stumbling on my words real quick, so let me repeat myself a little bit. We're talking about, briefly here, how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God. We're going to get into some scriptures. You can't separate Jesus and the cross from the wisdom of God. Do I make, am I making sense? The message of the cross is the mystery of the gospel that scripture brings out. But the world thinks that the message of the cross is foolishness. But the message of the cross is going to be proved, proves to the world and will prove to the world that the wisdom of this world is nothing. In other words, the message of the cross is a, it will be, has been and will continue to be magnified over the wisdom of this world. There's a, there, there's a clash, there's a conflict between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. There's two kinds of wisdom, people. The wisdom of this world, in one sense, will sound like wisdom because it is, but it's worldly wisdom. James calls this wisdom earthly, sensual, demonic. In, in James chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, uh, one of those verses he talks about how it's demonic. It's sensual. It's earthly. It's natural. It's carnal. I don't want the wisdom. When we're talking about the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, we're not talking about this earthly wisdom. We're talking about the wisdom of God, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The wisdom of God reveals that the wisdom of the world comes to nothing. I think I read it here. I'm trying to find my way here real quick. Verse 6 again. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. The wisdom of this age, the wisdom of this world, will come to nothing. I don't care how powerful they seem. I don't care how wise they seem. I don't care how influ influential they seem. The wisdom of this world will come to nothing, but the wisdom of God will last forever. Back up to me to chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. It says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Actually, let me back up verse 24 and read this again. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Jesus... Okay, let me back up a little further, sorry. Let's go to verse 22. For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus Christ is not only the power of God, but he is the wisdom of God. And I'm going to be getting into this, hopefully I'll get into it some today. 
But this world needs to see a demonstration of the power of God. And by seeing a demonstration of the power of God, they need to see a demonstration of the wisdom of God. The power of God is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And church, there is nothing more powerful, there is nothing more wise than the cross Jesus crucified. Now Jesus took your sin. He took your penalty and he put it on himself. He took your sin and he took your penalty so that you can be the righteous God in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say what we just read a minute ago, chapter 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has given you so much in himself, in this great salvation that we can have through Jesus Christ. And it is the wisdom of God. And in the salvation, there's healing, there's provision, there's saving, there, 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 there's a relationship with God himself, where God says he will fill you with his fullness. There's so much I, I, we teach in this church about the righteous God, about the power of God, about the, the salvation. And it's all yours if you will just understand, if you will have the understanding, if you will receive Jesus, if you will walk with God and walk in the fear of God, reverencing Him, trusting Him, honoring Him. I'm not talking about performance, but I'm talking about if you will appropriate all that God has given to you in Christ Jesus and you will live this Christian life in the power and its fullness and its power and its wisdom God will use you like Joseph God will use you like Daniel God will use you like others when there was persecution when, there, when the world was dark when the world was evil when the world was full of pride and arrogance God used these people God can use you if God can use a man like Joseph in the, middle, in, in the middle of a dungeon, in the middle of a prison, God can use you. Even, even Daniel and uh, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in exile. They were prisoners of war. In other words, they, they were just as prisoners. Yeah, they got a little more liberties as long as they did what they were supposed to do. You know, but at the same point in time, you know, God can use you. And it's time for the church to rise up. And it starts with walking in the fear of the Lord. Because that's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Jesus is the wisdom of God. It's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. And, and when we, see, I fear God more than I fear man. And when I fear God more than I fear man, we, or at least I want to, I can stand my ground when my life is on the line like Daniel did, like Joseph did, like others have. That makes sense. And it's not just standing our ground. It's not just standing for moral things, even though I'm preaching that. I'm not just t preaching the standing I'm talking about healing the sick, raising the dead, and, and demonstrating the power of God. There's nothing more powerful than seeing a life born again. There's nothing more powerful than seeing a life transformed by the power and glory of God because they got a revelation of Jesus. They got a revelation that Jesus loved them. They get a revelation that Jesus died for them. There's nothing more powerful than that. That is a demonstration. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that we would have everlasting life. He didn't just die so we can live morally. Yes, we need to live morally. It's good. It's healthy. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the right thing to do. But I'm not just preaching morality without Jesus. That's insane. 
preaching religion. I'm preaching Jesus. And I want to walk with Jesus. And if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm going to live godly. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live righteously. But I'm not magnifying godliness over Jesus. I'm magnifying Jesus and those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, they will suffer persecution. I'm not even promoting persecution. I'm promoting Jesus. But I'm promoting Jesus who is the wisdom of God. And I want to fear him. I want to honor him. I want to respect him. Because I'm the light of the world. I'm the soul of the earth in Christ Jesus. God has filled me with his spirit. And I'm getting here. I don't know if I get there today. But God has filled me with his spirit to be a witness. To be a witness in this world. That there is a God, He's on the throne, He's alive, and I don't care what you do to me, I don't care what you say about me, Jesus is my King. And He is my God, He is my Lord. And as Paul went before King Agrippa and other people, and he, they asked, are you trying to convert me? He said, I'm trying to convert you and all of Israel. <laughs> I forget exactly how he said it. But God, I, I want to see everyone say. Even these politicians that, 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 I can't hardly say anything good about it. They need Jesus. They need to see a demonstration of the power of God and the wisdom of God. The church, the world at large, needs to see a demonstration of the church and His power. It starts with fearing God. I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm trying to. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So fast forward to me, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. <coughs> For the wisdom of this world <coughs> is, is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the, of the wise, and they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. There's a lot here, but I'm not going to go into all of this. I just want to highlight one main point here. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. I don't care what kind of wisdom it is, whether it's scientific, whatever it might be, whatever kind of wisdom the world, uh, the world marvels at, the world esteems, the world exalts and magnifies and puts on a pedestal. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Throw with me real quick. The Psalm 14, verse 1. David says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have, have done abominable works, and there is none who does good. Again, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fast forward to me to Psalm 53, verse 1. And you're pretty much going to see an echo of what we just read. Because these verses are identical. So if you didn't catch me on Psalm 14, then it's okay. Just go to Psalm 53 because the words are going to be exactly the same. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
they are corrupt and have done abominable things, and there is none who does good. The fool. There's a lot of wisdom in this world that says there's no God. But God says his word that we honor, respect, and we trust and we rely on says that's a fool. Only a fool says there's no God. The world thinks we're fools because we say there is a God. But the, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Anyone who denies the existence of God is a fool. Can I make that any clearer? Proverbs 1 7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a lot of people, as we have pastored and met and just trying to be friends, there's a lot of people that we met that they despise wisdom and instruction. I don't say this to get on them, I don't say this to be mean, I don't say this to, uh, but a, you know, but a fool despises wisdom. A fool despises instruction. You know, no matter, I mean, let's just, let's just step away from scripture just for a moment. You know, does an athlete who won't be instructed by his coach is a fool. If he's going to excel, if he's going to be good, he's, he's a fool. Just in that arena. Okay, that makes sense? So, or maybe whatever vocation you're in. If you got trained in college or school or, or on-the-job training, or, or even when you got into the trade you're in, you had to get some training to, get, to become, maybe you're a veteran now, but a fool... Won't, 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 listen, won't listen to wisdom. Won't listen to instruction. I want to be teachable. I want the, the, I'm the, he's the potter. I'm the clay. I want God to be able to mold even my thinking. Even my traditions. Even my values. That's necessary. That makes sense? I need you know, we read from Proverbs 3 how we don't we trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not understanding. I read, read it towards the end because I kept reading. But we need we can't despise God's chastising. We can't despise his reproof. But all scripture is proper for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof, for training in righteousness. So the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. A fool will resist teaching, will resist reproof. I'm not saying reproof is always enjoyable, but actually Proverbs chapter 3 and it's echoed in Hebrews chapter 12, it's not always joyful. It's painful at times. But it's necessary. You know, a toddler. You, you, you have to teach a toddler, they're not the boss. You get some strong-willed children. And it's not painful. It's painful for the parent as much as it, and sometimes even more than it is for the child. But you got to sometimes nip some things in the bud. Otherwise they will take that to their adult, not from only childhood, but to adulthood. And it's going to be more painful later. Not only for them, but for everyone else. You have to teach a child. You have to train a child in the way they should go. Discipline. You know, we shy away from discipline, but it's if you study that word out from Hebrews chapter 12, it's talking about child training. It's, you know, any athlete, any good athlete, any good Olympian, any su successful athlete of any kind has gone through a lot of pain and misery through training to get
successful. Even other vocations. There's been sometimes training and heartache and, and hours and, and whatnot to, be, to, to know what you know, to do what you can do. <clears throat> but the success of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, it says in the previous verses that we read, the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's understanding knowledge, wisdom. Fear the Lord. If you want knowledge, how to live this life. How, you know, let me just take it a step further. How many of you want to live this Christian life? How many of you want to walk and live, and not only, not only as a Christian, not only as a moral and godly Christian, but how many of you want to live as a powerful Christian? You want to see the power of God. Well, there's some discipline to need to be done. There's going to be, there might be times be, to, to, to see the power of God, you're going to have to stand alone like Daniel. You're going to have to stand alone like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There may be times where you have to stand, you have to endure some persecution. But how I many of you know, I mean, Daniel in one sense had no guarantees he was going to come out of that alive. He trusted God that he could. Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I like I liked their, uh, their testimony because they said, you know, God is more than able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. They were prepared to die. You can't, you can't destroy someone who's afraid to die. And I'm not afraid to die because I know where I'm going. Paul says it's better for me. I would rather be with the Lord. But for your sake, I'm still here. Am I making sense? And so, we need wisdom. But uh, let me take you back on this knowledge a little bit. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Most of our schools in our country, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, started with the Word of God. In most, all three of these schools, chapel was mandatory. When they started. Harvard, and I've heard it said that Harvard started so Christians could learn how to read and understand the Word of God. That's where it started. Our schools, our top schools in our country today started with the fear of the Lord with the Word of God. But now schools have become strongholds of liberal thinking. There is no true knowledge apart from the Word of God. There is no true wisdom apart from the Word of God. And if it violates the Word of God, it's wrong. It's anti-God. Because the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate pride. It's to hate arrogance and the flow of God. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of wisdom. Go with me real quick to Proverbs chapter 9. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's not just any knowledge, but it's the knowledge of Him, the full sessions of God, but the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. I don't care what vocation you are in. I don't care what generation you are part of. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Again, what's the fear of the Lord? To honor God, to reverence Him, to respect Him, to trust Him. To 
us to honor his word. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 15, verse 33. Proverbs 15, verse 33. It says, The fear of the Lord is the construction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Not, so the fear of the Lord is not just the beginning of wisdom. It's also the instruction of wisdom. Very few people will allow the word of God to get in the way of what they believe. I want church, I want the word of God to get away of what I believe. If we are not, you know, what? Those of us who have not embraced instruction, we don't know the Word of God. We haven't been walking in the fear of the Lord because we need to know the Word of God. We need to know Him. Go with me to Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Most people don't believe this in our society, in our world today. But there is no wisdom or counsel outside of God. You know, I'm not interested in being politically correct. I'm interested in being biblically correct. My standard for correctness is not politics. My standard for correctness is the Word of God. I have more fear of the Word of God than I do of politics. Am I making sense? I know what I just said is not politically correct, and I don't really care. I'm not here to offend, but the gospel is offensive to those who don't believe. It will be offensive. And that's not my intention I'm not the one that says the word of God will offend the fool, will offend those who don't wind into the God. Go with me real quick, and I'm going to be closing here in just a minute. <clears throat> Go with me to Psalm 36, verse 1. We've read this multiple times when we started, but I want to piggyback on this just a little bit. Psalm 36, verse 1 says, An oracle... Actually, I want to uh, I want to toggle to the King James real quick. The King James Psalm thirty six verse one says, "The transgression of the wicked stands within my heart, that there is no fear of God before his eyes." The transgression of the wicked says that there is no fear of God. You know that that, that is very prevalent today, and that is. Uh, that is a philosophy that is growing rampant today in our society. That the transgression of the wicked says there is no fear of God. But I want to pick you that back with Proverbs 16, verse 6. Proverbs 16, verse 6. <clears throat> it says, By mercy... And truth and iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I want to read that again. By mercy and truth, 
not just truth. See how mercy and truth go together? You can't, in one, in one sense, I believe you can't have truth without mercy. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Iniquity is not purged because you do everything right. Iniquity is purged by his mercy. I want to say that again. we got to get this, folks. Iniquity, sin, iniquity, ungodliness, evil is purged by the blood of Jesus Christ's mercy. Can I get agreement? We, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, man depart from evil. Church, we need the fear of God. We need the fear of God in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in our nation. But you can't make enough laws or take enough things away if there's no fear of God. In other words, it's by the fear of God that people would depart from evil. It's not because of our laws and different things, and I'm not against <clears throat> laws in that sense. But the laws themselves are not going to change people's hearts. It's the fear of God that will change people's hearts. It's the fear of God that will change people, that cause people to depart from evil. <coughs> you can't force people enough to depart from evil. Because you can take all the guns away. You can take all the different things away. But if the heart is still full of evil. They'll find something else. They'll find a rock. They'll find. They'll, they'll use their own hands. What are you going to do? Take everyone's hands away? They'll find something. If evil is in the heart. Laws are not going to stop. The evil heart. It might make it more difficult. And I'm. I totally understand that. I'm not anti-laws. So I'm talking about civil rights. Does that make sense? But that's not how you change people's hearts. The fear of God will change their hearts. I mean, how, how clear can we get? We need the fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge and understanding. If we want godliness in, in society, in our own hearts, our own lives, our, we need to reverence our God. We need to trust Him. We need to reverence Him. The fear of God, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. We need to know His mercy. We need to know His truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's in, in Jesus says that in the context of, and you shall be know my word, and you will be my disciples indeed. A disciple is one who knows the truth, and the truth sets them free. You can't be set free if you don't know His mercy and His truth, and you rely and trust and fear and honor His his gospel that says by his stripes you are healed. By the blood of Jesus you are cleansed. If you receive this gospel, if you call upon the name of the Lord and fear his name and fear him, you, it's the beginning of wisdom because Jesus is the wisdom of God and it's only by the fear of God, the wisdom of God, that you can even have the audacity to depart from evil. If you don't change the root, you will never change the fruit. I don't care how much you prune that tree. It's still, it's still 
say it's an apple tree. You can prune it to its core. It's still an apple tree. If it can grow back, it will produce apples. Even if it has to have an offshoot from the roots and grow another whole new tree, it's still an apple tree. But you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need Jesus. Am I making sense, church? And revival starts in the house of God. We need to build the Lord. I went here before, but in closing, I want to go here real quick one more time. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, or fear of God. There's a lot here, you know. Some people might be confused because we teach a lot about grace here. We teach a lot about righteousness here. We're righteous because of Him. And a lot of people don't understand grace. Because some people think that because we have grace, we can live in the way we want to. That's not grace. And some people who don't embrace grace like we do think that when we talk about grace, we're teaching people to live any way they want to. And both those who think that we teach that and both those who believe that, <coughs> don't that tells me they don't understand one thing about grace. I'll give you two scriptures. First one is that <coughs> Titus 2, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says that Grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. So if you are believing, or you believe in that we believe and teach, that grace teaches you can live any way you want to, that's not what grace teaches. Grace teaches you to deny ungodliness. Grace is a teacher. Grace doesn't teach you to sin. Grace teaches you not to sin. And if you don't understand... if if you think that grace is a license to sin, you don't understand grace. And if you think that we're teaching that, you don't understand grace. Because that's not grace. It also says that, uh, <coughs> uh, uh, I think it's in Romans, I don't have the reference right now, but the seven, second scripture I want to use is that we are not under, we're not under the dominion of sin, not because of the law, because of grace. And I'm, I'm mischopping the verse. But grace has given us the liberty from sin, not the law. The law will not liberate you from sin. Actually, Paul says this many times, the, the, the strength of sin is the law. Str the law will strengthen sin. The law will intensify it. <clears throat> but grace will free you. Grace doesn't free you to sin. Grace frees you from sin. And Paul says here, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We need to, by His grace, by His spirit, by His word, by Christ in us, there is this command. This is New Testament. This is Paul, the apostle of grace. Teaching us that we have a responsibility through Christ, through these precious promises, to live a perfect, holy life in the fear of God. Okay, one more verse and I'm, I'm closing for today. Romans 6, 16. 
and next week I'm going to get to where I really wanted to get to, but I was hoping to get there today, but I didn't make it that far. Paul says, and I don't have time to read the context, but it says, verse 16, Romans 6, 16 says, Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom, uh, let me, I'm sorry, real quick, let me talk about the New King James. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves to obey? You are not one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Whoever you obey, church, is who you are servant to. I'm not going to be a servant to the flesh. I'm not going to be a servant to sin and evil. I'm going to be a servant of God. And I'm going to do this in the fear of the Lord. We need to love the truth of the word more than we love the truth of this world. We need to love the wisdom of God more than we love the wisdom of this world. We need to trust God more than we trust the wisdom and the truth of this world. We need to love the truth of his word more than we love our truth or your truth. There's a phrase that goes out there and I hate it. This is my truth. Well, who died and made you king? Jesus died. And guess what? Kings and priests unto him. But not so you can have your own truth and live by it. And you have more reverence. You have more respect. You have more honor. You have more allegiance. You have more uh, loyalty. You will promote your truth over the truth of God's word. That's Antichrist. That's wrong. That's against God. That's anti-God. I'm not here to promote my truth. By your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. I don't say that to hurt you, but I do reprove that. It's not my truth. I need to, I need to exalt. I need to love his truth more than I love my truth or your truth. There needs to be something different about as a people of God, the children of God who walk in the fear of the Lord. There needs to be something different that, so that when the Nebuchadnezzars, the King Dariuses, the Pharaohs look at our life, they see something different. And they, they too, like King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius, says, Your God is our God. They begin to reverence, they begin to trust, and Honor God. I can't say that all these kings completely converted, but they did see the fear of God. There was a seed planted. Saul, who became Paul, saw that in Stephen. And, and, and we're going to get here. I'll pick it up next week. We have been called, we have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to be a witness in this age, in this hour, to a world that needs. Walking in the fear of the Lord so we can see the church multiply. The world is trying to close our doors. But the, world, the, 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 the church is a spiritual being. It's not a natural being. We have been, we are the house of God, not made with hands. We are the church of the living God. I thank God for buildings. I thank God for resources. You know, I thank God that we even have this technology. 
but we can preach the gospel to the world even without this technology, even without a building. The, the early church did it. They turned the world upside down and they didn't have any of these things. We can do it too. I'm not, I'll take all the resources I can use. But I, the wisdom of God is stronger. It, 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 it's, it, we're a spiritual unit. We're a spiritual system. We're a spiritual body. We're a spiritual family organism. And you can't put brick and mortar to it and be limited by that. No. We are the church of the living God. And we need to walk in the fear of the Lord in wisdom and morality and godliness and, I'm going to get to it, in power so the world can see and the fear of God demonstrate in our lives so they, they too can walk in the fear of the Lord. And we're going to get, look at some scriptures and we're going to get there next week. Lord, we worship you, we exalt you. Even in closing, Lord, I just want to uh, acknowledge our fathers and Father's Day. Lord, I thank you for my father. I thank you for all our fathers. I bless them. Lord, I thank you that you have been our heavenly father. And those that don't have fathers or we've had bad father's experiences, we have you. You have been a good, good father. And we thank you for that. We worship you. We magnify you. Lord, I don't know how much I was able to communicate to those who heard me this morning, but I pray that you help each of us to walk in the greater fear of the Lord than you ever have walked before. And there's ever been a time that we need this. The world, our, the church at large, is in dire need of the fear of God. Our homes are. And Lord, we just thank you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. And we'll see you next week uh, right here. God bless you.